All right, well, take your Bibles, and we're going to be looking at several passages of Scripture this evening. We'll start in Psalm 119. Psalm 119. And uh, we're leaving the teens in here tonight because this uh, study and what we're doing tonight really will help them. It'll help all of us. But um, we're continuing our study from this morning, really our study from the last several weeks, of just talking about how we spiritually discern these issues of spiritual freedom in our life and what are the best decisions. You know, there's one question, which is, am I allowed to do something? But then the really the more important question is, is, should I do um, a, a given action or activity um, as the Spirit of God leads me? And so tonight, uh, as I mentioned to you this morning, I had a great chat with Pastor Don this week, and he shared with me that he had put together about 11 questions several years ago in this same area, and I really appreciate his contributions tonight to the sermon. We, we both know that our wives write many of our best sermons, right, Pastor Don? But anyway, thank you so much for sharing the skeleton tonight and, of course, adding a little bit to that here and there. But uh, I'm thankful tonight for this opportunity to present this material to you. As I mentioned to you this morning in one of my illustrations, when we were a child, it was very, uh, basically we learned by imitation of those around us. Um, and so we did what others did because we saw that modeled. And that's fine and good when you're first starting out as a child, and it's fine and good when you're first starting out as a new baby Christian. And so part of our discipleship process here at Fairview is going to be taking brand new baby Christians and just modeling the Christian life to them. Um, It's been so exciting to see Candace's growth in just three or four weeks. Candace, my heart's encouraged just to see how you've grown in your new relationship with Christ. And that's, and that's not happened by accident. She's had several people, uh, primarily uh, Rachel, but also Connie, Kim, myself, many of you, I'm probably going to miss people, who have already poured into her life. And so uh, all of us can think back to that time when we got saved and we had a mentor, someone who told us, hey, here's what you need to do in the Christian life. Here's what you need to believe. Here's the gospel. Here's how to live it out. But as we grow, and certainly for teenagers and and children, and and, and of course many of us have been through the parenting process or we're going to go through it, and you know, there's a part of parenting where you just tell your kids, do this, don't do this. And you really don't have time to get into the reasons of why behind it. For instance, don't play in the road. You know, at, at a certain age, it's just do or don't. But as your child grows, you start to give to them reasons for that. Of course, that's probably an easy one. That's kind of an obvious one, right? Don't play in the road. But um, as your children grow, we we definitely want to equip them with reasoning behind why we've told them these things. And we also want to give to them a framework for how they can make decisions when they are out of the nest, so to speak. When they have left mom and dad's uh, direct oversight, we want our children to be able to fly solo, so to speak, fly on their own, um, of course, always depending upon the Lord's strength. And so uh, tonight, that's really what we want to do. And really even this morning's message was to give to you this basic grid of these four areas where these kinds of decisions fall into your, your life. Some things are doctrinal certainties. Some things are moral absolutes. Some things are personal convictions. And some things are personal preferences. And so I hope that that was helpful. I hope it was good going back and reviewing some of that from Romans 14. And so tonight's message is in the same vein. We want to give to you things to consider 
as you look at all the different uh, choices that you're going to have to make in life. And so with that, um, as, as I mentioned, these are the four things we covered this morning, the four areas that shape our beliefs and choices. And these were the, all the hot-button issues we quickly went through. Uh, so there, yes. And uh, where's Patsy Jones? Patsy Jones came to me afterwards and she says, Pastor, I think it is so wrong to spend all that money on Halloween candy. You got to save it and get Botox injections. That's funny if you were here because of what I talked about with cosmetic surgery and Halloween. And so do you see the funniness of that joke? She viewed, you know, she's like, it's wrong to spend all that money on wasteful spending for Halloween candy. Save it for Botox injections. Anyway, do you see that? And, and do you see how that um, all of us have the issues on here that we might be more sensitive to? Um, but certainly one that is definitely on the forefront of all of our thinking as we look at this list. And honestly, you know, it's one of those things that I put on there to get us all to think primarily, but definitely because it's such a major issue, and that is this alcohol issue that we face in our culture. Um, probably no one in this room is not touched by the dangers of alcohol, by the destructive effects of it. Um, all of us can probably share either a good friend or a family member who has had their life taken by drunk driving um, or some kind of accident involving alcohol. And so that is really the main one we're going to work through this grid tonight with, these sets of questions. And, and whether you come to the same conclusion as me or not, I want to give to you kind of a grid, and even tonight, in a more general sense, give to you ways that I approach these difficult issues. So, for instance, with alcohol, before we get to the 11 questions, which uh, some of that will be review even now because I'm going to mention some of this out of order, but with alcohol, the first thing you should think about when you're dealing with a hot-button issue like that is, what are the keystone passages in the Bible that speak on this issue? And so you might just want to jot that down if you're taking notes. What are the keystone passages that we can go to that would really give to us a good understanding. And with those keystone passages are, when is the first time it's ever mentioned in the Bible? As I mentioned to you this morning with the, with the biblical interpretation principle of the law of first mention. And the reason we start there and ask, what does the Bible say? Is because, hello, the Bible is our sole authority for faith and practice. We are a word-driven ministry. We are driven by the Bible. The Bible is our map and the Holy Spirit is our GPS, all right? And so we look to the Word of God. Psalm 119, 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You see, the Spirit of God will lead us through the Word of God to walk in the will of God. And so the Word of God is that foundation. It's that anchor point. And so the Word of God tonight is very important in what it says to this issue. So the first question you ask when you get to a hot-button issue like this is to say, okay, what does the Bible say, and where is this issue first mentioned in Scripture? And as I mentioned to you this morning, one of the big things you need to weigh into this decision on, okay, should you drink, should you not drink? Of course, the Bible is very clear that it's always a sin to get drunk. And so that's not even up for debate tonight. Ephesians 5.18 says, Be not drunk with wine, where is an excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. Um, every instance in the Bible where someone was drunk, there was shame, there was sin, there was regret, there was much folly. No doubt. 
So um, drunkenness is clearly wrong. But the question becomes is, okay, well, what about having a little bit? Is that okay? Or in other words, am I allowed to have a little? Is that really the best question to ask as we're looking at these areas? Um, is a little, you know, of whatever okay? Or should I abstain completely? What's the best decision here? And so Psalm 119 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. As, as we've mentioned tonight, our, our influences in these decisions, many of, many of us were brought up in a certain way. Our culture, personal convictions and preferences shape these things. And of course, that grid this morning that we talked about helps us to place these issues in our life and, to, and, and their importance in our life. And so with all that said, does the Bible direct, directly prohibit this action? That's the first question we want to tackle here. So here's the 11 questions. You might want to write these down. These are great for any issue, but we're going to work through the issue of alcohol as we deal with these 11 questions, all right? So number one, does the Bible directly prohibit this action? Let me give you another example in another area. Um, does God say that it's okay to have an adulterous relationship with my friend's spouse? No, of course God doesn't say that that's okay. Why? Because God has clearly prohibited that action with what? Thou shalt not commit adultery. And really, even before that was given, Joseph knew not to do it because he lived, as I mentioned, 430 years before Sinai. And so he already had this innate sense of that's wrong. And God had clearly given that example with Adam and Eve as far as marriage in the Bible. And so does, does the Bible directly prohibit this action? So, of course, God does not condone an adulterous relationship with your friend's spouse because there are clear, and here's the grid again, because there's clear moral absolutes in the Word of God. And, God, and God's Spirit, all right, now catch this, God's Spirit would never lead you contrary to what God has clearly said in the Word. So if someone comes into my office this week and says, Pastor, I'm in an affair, and I believe that it's God's will for me to get divorced from my current spouse and get married to this other person who's also married. You know what I'm going to say? That's not God. That shouldn't be controversial. <laughs> that shouldn't be nebulous. That shouldn't be ambiguous. That is wrong, all right? Moral absolutes. And so does the Bible directly prohibit the action? So in this issue of alcohol, what does the Bible prohibit? Well, we know that the Bible prohibits drunkenness. Um, Ephesians 5, 18, as I mentioned to you, be not drunk with wine, where is an excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Um, but turn with me to these passages. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1. Again, we're talking about and asking the question, what does the Bible say? Why? Because the Bible is God's love letter to you and me. And you know what God sometimes tells us in his love letter? Things that he doesn't want us to do and things that he wants us to do. You know why? Because he loves you. And he knows that in doing certain things, you'll only harm yourself and others and in doing other things, you'll help yourself and help others. So what does Proverbs 20 verse say? Well, Proverbs 20 gives to us a warning. It says, wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging. And whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Question, 
The warning is here. Wine is a mocker. And it's raging. Strong drink is raging. And whosoever is deceived thereby. So the Bible seems to be giving an indication here that with wisdom, because Proverbs is all about wisdom, right? That with wisdom, we should be very cautious about just gallivanting into, oh, well, so-and-so does it. That, 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 that must mean it's okay for me. Why? Because it says, whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Um, with this issue... We have to heed the warning of God's word where it says this is something to be very careful of. You can be deceived by it. And what does it mean when it says we can be deceived by it? Well, as you compare other scripture, we get the idea that you can be deceived in thinking you can handle it. Um, turn with me over a couple of verses or a couple of chapters to Proverbs 23. Proverbs 23, verses 29 through 35. Another warning, another, again, this is not, uh, what's the word? This is not happy-go-lucky stuff. This is serious warning. It says, who hath woe? Verse 29 of chapter 23. Who hath sorrow? Who has contentions? Hey, I, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. I got a question. How many of you like watching 48 Hours Mystery? on CBS. Anybody watch 48 Hours? We, we are without cable now, so we hardly ever watch anything now. I don't watch college football and find out that's probably a good thing. But anyway, uh, yeah, we're without cable now, so we, but we used to watch 48 Hours Mystery all the time. You know, who done it? You know? But do you realize that it's like my wife and I were sitting there some nights and we were watching them. We're like, well, we would never even be in that situation because we wouldn't even, ever even be in that atmosphere. For instance, like, what are the reasons why people get killed? Because you're cheating on somebody, and they get angry, and they end up killing you, or you get drunk, and you end up killing somebody. And it's like, my wife and I were talking, it's like, well, this would never happen to us, because it's like, we're not ever in that atmosphere to have that happen. So, hey, guys, guys, newsflash, if you never do it, you'll probably never be on 48 Hours Mystery. Encouraged. This should be encouraging to you. So he just says here, who hath woe, who hath sorrow, who has contentions, who has babbling? Oh, that's good. This isn't talking about teenagers, okay? But who has babbling? I'm just kidding. Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? They that tarry long at the wine. They that go to seek mixed wine. So again, the Bible's saying here, wine, alcohol, they that tarry long at it, they have, have woe, they have sorrow, they have contentions, they have babbling, wounds without cause, redness of eyes. It affects everything about you. And so, verse 31 says, we're, again, this is just the question of what does the Bible prohibit? Look not thou upon the wine. All right? So the argument could be made from folks who hold an abstinence position, which I do, that the Bible's saying here, you know what the best thing to, to, to do to not be deceived by it? Don't even look at it. You're that free in Christ. You don't even have to look at it. You know why? Because you have something so much greater in a relationship with him. So look, don't even look upon it. When it's red, when it gives this color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright, at the last it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. Thine eyes shall behold strange women, and thine heart shall utter perverse things. 
Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or as he that lieth upon the top of a mast. They have stricken me, thou shalt say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. When shall I awake? I will seek it yet again. And so there it talks about the addictive power of alcohol in verse 35. So does the Bible prohibit drinking? Drinking any at all? Well, from these verses we get the idea that clearly there is a great caution and warning. Clearly the Bible says not only in the Old Testament but in the New, drunkenness is a sin, it's wrong. Clearly, alcohol in these passages is tied to immorality. It's tied to woes, sorrows, contentions. It's tied to strange women, verse 33. So, should you? I'm so free in Christ, I don't have to. Do you see the difference? Now, are you ready to write down some verses? All right. Proverbs 31, verse 6. What does the Bible say? Maybe we'll get past question one tonight. Uh, Proverbs 31, verse 6. Now, clearly, just in the verses before this verse, we see that it's not wise. Um, verse uh, 4, It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the judgment of any of the afflicted. But then the word says... Give strong drink unto him that is ready to perish, and wine unto those that be of heavy hearts. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his mis uh, misery no more. So, again, as I mentioned this morning with 1 Timothy 5.23, 1 Timothy 5.23 and Proverbs 31 verse 6, there is something to be said that before there were painkillers, before there was morphine, um, taking of alcohol in a palliative care situation would be permissible. And we would base that off of Proverbs 31, verse 6, and 1 Timothy 5, 23. Um, there are other verses. And of course, with the word wine, it's such a nebulous word um, in our English language even. We think of the word wine as being just alcoholic, but the word wine in the Bible can mean anything from intoxicating to um, grape juice non-intoxicating. And so that's again where the, where, the, where the confusion comes. But here very clearly, the writer in verse 6 is saying, listen, strong drink will have some kind of effect on you. So we're not just talking about, you know, Coca-Cola. We're talking about something that definitely would affect the body and bring palliative care to the individual. All right? Let's look at some more verses. Psalm 104, verse 15. Psalm 104, verse 15. Uh, this is in a passage where it's talking about God who creates all things. He, uh, verse 13, he waters the hills from his chambers. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of thy works. He causeth the grass to grow for the cattle and the herb for the service of man that he may bring forth food out of the earth and wine that maketh glad the heart of man and oil to make his face shine and bread which strengtheneth man's heart. So here's verses that create a question for some Christians that say, okay, but see, it says that God made wine to gladden the human heart. So what does that mean? Well, again, wine in the Old Testament and in the New Testament even wasn't the same alcoholic level as it is today. So we're not even really talking about the same issue. 
But go to another verse, because this is the one that a lot of folks who would say, hey, this is okay for me to do. It's not a big deal. Again, as you look at Scripture, I'm just giving you the Scriptures. You study them, and we will continue to learn together. But Deuteronomy 14, verses 25 and 26. Of course, this is right smack dab in the middle of the giving of the law here. And they were talking about bringing the tithe to the temple. And Deuteronomy 14, verses 25 and 26, it says that if you live too far away, verse, verse 24, and if the way be too long for thee, so that thou art not able to carry it, speaking of all the tithes that the people were to bring, they were to bring their herds, they were to bring... Uh, we'll look at verse 20, 23. And thou shalt eat before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose to place his name there, the tithe of thy corn, thy wine, of thine oil, and the firstlings of thy herds and of thy flocks, that thou mayest learn to fear the Lord thy God always. And if the way be too long for thee, so that thou art not able to carry it, or if the place be too far from thee, which the Lord thy God shall choose to set his name there, then the Lord thy God hath blessed thee. Then shalt thou turn it into money, and bind up the money in thine hand, and shalt go into the place which the Lord thy God shall choose. And thou shalt bestow that money for whatsoever thy soul desires, or lusteth after, desires after, for oxen and for sheep, or for wine, or for strong drink, or for whatsoever thy soul desireth. And thou shalt eat therefore there before the Lord thy God, and thou shalt rejoice thine, thou and thine household. So, so you have verses here. And so I wanted to mention these because, again, as you talk to other believers and they bring these verses up, you need to have a way to work through those. And again, um, I would say to those scriptures, there's a lot of other scriptures, like Proverbs 20, like Genesis 9, like the story of Lot, like Proverbs 23, that would give me the weight of evidence to say, okay, here's some verses that I'm not sure I fully understand, but here's what I do understand. Here's what I do know. And so, does the Bible directly prohibit this action? What does the Bible say about any issue, but specifically this issue, as we've just read scriptures, both directly and also indirectly by principle? And so, one of the New Testament verses that we really need to think through in this issue is 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12. Just turn there. I thought I had it on the screen, but I don't. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12. Uh, we mentioned this verse this morning, but it says, All things are lawful unto me, all right? But all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. I won't be mastered by any. And we'll look at that one here in a second with one of these questions. But that verse is important because we're asking the question, okay, am I technically allowed to do this? Maybe one little sip if I'm dying? Okay, maybe. But is the danger to draw and to become addicted to this and be brought under the power of this a great danger? Does the Bible give warning after warning about it and example after example about it? Yeah. So, does the Bible directly prohibit this action? Number two, you think through these questions as we go through them. Number two, could I do this in Christ's name? Could I do this in Christ's name? Could I do this with a clear conscience and be able to say that I claim the name of Christ in doing this. Clearly the word of God says, And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Can you do this in the name of Jesus? Um, we know that we're going to suffer reproach for Christ's name. 
If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and for the God and for God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. And so we're going to clearly be reproached because of the name of Christ, because of our witness and our testimony. But may it not be said of us that we are bringing reproach to the name of Christ because of our poor testimony, because of our because of our um, lack of witness, which is another question here that we're going to look at. So could you do this in Christ's name? I have to move along here. Question three. Can I imagine Jesus doing this or deciding this way? Can I imagine Jesus doing this or deciding this way? Some folks will say, well, what about John 2, when Jesus turned the water into wine? What kind was that? Well, there's a lot of arguments. Um, I believe that Jesus turned it into the best-tasting Welch's grape juice you can imagine, okay? But uh, that, that's my personal belief on the issue. Besides, if the wedding coordinator was already drunk on the other stuff, how would he even know the difference? And so, again, we read some of our culture into that, and we assume that it was the same exact way, um, and that's just not the case. But can we imagine Jesus doing this or deciding this way? Well, clearly, Jesus would never be under the intoxicating power of anything, and clearly, Jesus was wise. <laughs> he was full of the spirit of wisdom. And so, can we imagine Jesus doing this or deciding this way? First John 2, verse 6 says, He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. So adults, young people, as we go through these questions, we need to work these questions through our thinking. What does the Bible say about this? Does the Bible prohibit it? Does the Bible allow it? Could I do this in Christ's name? Number three, can I imagine Jesus doing this or deciding this way? Number four, will this action bring any glory to God? We studied this verse last week, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. The Bible says, whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. And remember, with this verse is verse 32. You know if you're bringing glory to God if you're following verse 32. What does verse 32 say? It says, I don't want to give a cause of stumbling to the Jew or to the Gentile. I want my life to edify others, not to be a stumbling block. I don't want to lead other people um, into sin. And so, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Will this action bring any glory to God? That's the fourth question. Fifth question. Would I want to be found doing this when Jesus returns? It's a very legitimate question we should always be asking ourselves. It says in 1 John 2, 28, And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Now, I'm thankful that 1 John 2, 28 says that, and also 1 John 4, 17 says this, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Ooh, that's good. So, yes, we have a new position in Christ, and our desire should be that we're living out that new position so that there is no temptation for the enemy to accuse us. No way that the, the, the enemy could cast shame and accusation towards our way. So would I want to be found doing this when Jesus returns? A great question to ask not only about this issue, but about many issues in our life. Number six, will this activity bring impurity or useless harm to my body? That's an obvious question here with this, um, uh, a great question to ask with this issue of alcohol. Um, 
I'm not sure I've, I've ever heard of any beneficial benefit to it. I think there was a study years ago that talked about, but I think that was grape juice and the, and the skin of the grape seed. So take some grape seed capsules or something, you know. Um, but will this activity bring impurity or useless harm to my body? Of course, you could ask that question about a lot of things in life. And maybe we should. But clearly with this question of can we do this, the question is, should we? Will this activity bring impurity or useless harm to my body? Uh, 1 Corinthians six nineteen and 20, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you, whom you have from God? You're not your own, for you've been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. So will this activity bring impurity or useless harm to my body? Great question to ask. Question seven, will this activity help or hinder my spiritual growth and maturity in Christ? Man, this is a great question to ask on a lot of areas in life. You know why? Because we want to run well. I mean, if I'm going to run a marathon, I'm not going to put army boots on. Are you crazy? Why would I do that? So God's called us to a race, man. We're in a battle. We're in a race. We are, we, are, we are moving forward. And why make decisions? I mean, again, sin's never a good idea. <laughs> and even these questionable situations of can we, can we not, the, the, the greater question is, is should we? Aren't there some other things we could be doing? So Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2 says, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight... Cast off the weights, man, <laughs> and the sin which just so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Will this activity have the potential of hindering your spiritual growth and maturity in Christ? And here's what I'll say because, and again, this is personal experience for me. I've seen this. It hinders your life. Alcoholism ruins your life. And so if there's that temptation and there's that danger, for the same reason the person who told me several months ago, I was prescribed opioids, but I never even took one, is the same way that we should look at this issue, guys. Why? Because God loves us. He cares about us. And so as a loving father, he says, hey, don't go over there and do that. And the reason I'm telling you not to do that is because I love you. And I know what's best for you. And I'm concerned about you. You see the difference? So, will this activity help or hinder my spiritual growth and maturity in Christ? And again, you can ask that question about a lot of areas, but certainly this one as we think it through. Number eight, will this action cause a brother to stumble? Will this action cause a brother to stumble? And what does that mean? All right. Paul says in Romans 14, 20 and 21, we looked at these this morning, for meat destroy not the work of God, all things indeed are pure, but it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. It is good neither to eat flesh, nor to drink wine, nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth, or is offended, or is made weak. So, I am here tonight to encourage you to study this issue on your own. And here's what I also I'm going to tell you to do. After this study, you might say, Pastor, I don't hold to an abstinence position like you do, and I'm, I'm still just not convinced of it. I have this liberty. 
Okay, but can I please implore you? Because I see so many Christians doing this, and it bothers me. It's like they found this new freedom in Christ, and they go out and they flaunt it on social media. Do you not realize that when you do that, and other people watching you, maybe brand new Christians, are watching, oh, they're like, oh, he's a Christian, and he does, oh, oh, it must be okay for me to keep on doing that. And you know what they do? They go right back in to a destructive lifestyle that Jesus just redeemed them from. That's what we're talking about here with stumbling. We're talking about causing someone. It would be like, and let me just get very real for a moment. It'd be like with my sister who struggled with alcoholism. And y'all know about that. My mom and dad have shared that. It's no mystery. I love my sister, and Lauren has struggled with this for four or five years. It would be so foolish for me to even say that I had the freedom to do it, to go down to Pensacola, to go out to eat with my sister, and to sit and to sit down and drink in front of her. What would I be saying to her about that? And so, that, and so that's why it's hard. And that's why these issues, we must think through them, church. Because, wow, the freedom we have in Christ is great. But I'm so free in Christ, I don't have to. Oh man, I found something much better than anything that would give me a buzz. I've found the gospel. And when you get addicted to that, there's nothing like it. The grace of God, the finished work, I mean, to, to know that he loves you, man, there's nothing greater. And so, but I see Christians online and they're flaunting this. They're flaunting their homemade breweries. And I'm just like, guys, come on, seriously, think about this. Whether you're free in Christ to do that or not, you flaunting a brewery, and you flaunting your homemade beer craft is not wise. And it hurts other Christians. And so I think sometimes we almost get this idea of, oh, I've got this freedom and now I get to flaunt it. Again, if we think we got to flaunt it, we don't understand what we got. Whew, this is where it gets practical. <laughs> Boots on the ground. And so, will this action cause a brother or sister to stumble. May we wrestle with that as we think through this. Number nine, will this action be a help or a hindrance in my witness to non-Christians around me? I mean, come on, folks, let's be honest. Most people who aren't saved, I believe, now, again, I'm, I'm, I have a limited perspective, but I'm going to guess that most non-saved people equate alcohol with the world. Again, maybe, maybe not. You might disagree with that. Let's have a conversation about it. But for me, I mean, for me in my conscience, and again, I'm, I'm being very clear, in my conscience, I would always be, you know, I heard the story of a person here in our town who years ago read about the medicinal uses because, you know, there's always these medical reports that come out. And, and one year lettuce will kill you, the next year it won't. Anyway, and so he, he, he read this uh, study about how, you know, uh, wine, alcoholic wine was good for the heart. And so he went to the grocery store 
and he snuck it off the shelf, and he put it in his cart, and he was pushing it through the, through the grocery store, and he made sure he got in the grocery store line where no one was behind him. And this is a believer, and I'm not going to give you names, but, but anyway. And so he told me this story, and it was entertaining how he told it. But anyway, he said, you know, I got in the line. I made sure no one was behind me. I put that out and kind of hid cereal boxes around it, you know, because again, this was all good for the heart, yada, yada. He bought it very quickly. He put it in the and of course, you know what they did. They put it in the brown paper sack anyway. And so that made him feel really weird. And so he got it home and he put it on top of his fridge. And it stayed there for weeks and months. And he was always wondering. And of course, then he thought about his kids, you know, because again, he had read all this stuff about it being healthy for your heart, yada, yada, yada. And about the time he would do it, you know, one of his kids would be around. It's like, okay, well, I can't. And so sooner or later, he just looked up at that stupid bottle on his fridge, and he's like, you know, my conscience tells me that I shouldn't do this. And so he got rid of it without ever touching it. Uh, and so uh, isn't that incredible to think through and, and to hear that person's testimony of how he went through that? Because he was worried about his testimony. He was worried about his witness. Will this action be a help or hindrance in my witness to non-Christians around me? Um, you know, Jesus tells us to let our light shine before men in such a way that they may see our good works and glorify our Father, which is in heaven. And so will these actions that we're considering be a help or a hindrance in my witness to non-Christians around me? Question 10, can I do this in faith with a clear conscience? We've already been talking about that one. Can I do this in faith with a clear conscience? Romans 14, 22 and 23. Do you have faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. It just means that he invites upon himself pain and consequence. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So is your conscience clear in doing this action? Acts 24, 16. Paul's mission in life was to have a conscience void of offense towards God and men. And so you know what Paul said? Write this one down, 1 Corinthians 8, 13. He said, Wherefore, if meat make my brother to offend, or insert whatever issue, wherefore, if alcohol make my brother to offend, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest my brother is caused to offend. You know what Paul was saying there? He was saying he was so free in Christ, he could be a vegetarian the rest of his life. Whoa. He could abstain from meat. Because he was so free in Christ. How about you and me? Are we so free in Christ that we can abstain from something because we know that it would cause another brother to be offended? We know that it perhaps would open us up to the temptation of a controlling power in our life? Verse 11. Is it possible that this action finally will control me? Is it possible that this action will control me? And so these questions... Is it possible that this action will control me? Of course, the one there we mentioned earlier. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered. I will not be brought under the power of any. So, will this action control me? Can I have a clear conscience? What's going to be my witness to non-Christians around me? Will it cause a brother to stumble? Will this activity help or hinder my spiritual growth and maturity in Christ? Will this activity bring impurity or useless harm to my body? Would I want to be found doing this when Jesus returns? Will this action bring any glory to God? Can I imagine Jesus doing this or deciding this way? 
Could I do this in Christ's name? Does the Bible directly prohibit this action? Those are the questions you and I need to work through in these areas. Whether it's, let's go back to the list, right? That big controversial list. Let me get back there. Do, 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 do. Just want you to see the list again. Because as Patsy said in all of her wisdom this morning, she was going to save that money on that evil Halloween candy. Oh, whoa. Whoa. <laughs> hey, Matt, can you get to that screen? I like really went crazy with my clicker. Uh, yeah, that one. Because as Patsy said, she's going to save her Halloween candy money and get Botox. But, and that's funny, but isn't it true that there's areas that we're like, yeah. And again, what all of us need to do is go home and spend a good amount of time thinking through all these areas and where they fit in that four-area grid. Doctrinal certainty, moral absolute, personal conviction, personal preference. And then say, okay, in this area of alcohol, where does it fit? Where does it fit? All right, I'll tell you where it fits for me. It fits right in between personal conviction and moral absolute. That's me, okay? Because for me, I see what the Word says. I see the circumstances around me. Even the appearance issue, the association principle, we didn't even get into those tonight. But I see all these things, and I weigh it, and I say, okay, what's the best decision for me? And that is, I'm so free in Christ, I don't have to. And I don't miss it. Um, you know, I gave up sodas a while back. And it's not the same issue. But I can't, I mean, my wife will tell you how many Dr. Peppers I used to down every day. I used to down a six-pack of Dr. Peppers every day. And I was close to 300 pounds because of it. And you know what? I don't miss Dr. Pepper now. It's, eh. I mean, from time to time, I'm like, ooh, 23 flavors of bubbly happiness, you know. But I don't miss it. And so the question is, are we allowed? You know, is there a loophole? You got to love. I mean, I mean, sometimes it's like, all right, let, let me look for the loophole in the Bible. Just be careful that a loophole doesn't become a noose. I think that's what the Word is telling us tonight, don't you think? Don't you think with this issue of alcohol, the Word is really telling us, okay, is there a loophole? You know, could the Jews in Deuteronomy 14 sell their tithe and buy strong drink? Uh, let's go study it. But, but take all the other scriptures into account. And we didn't even touch all of them tonight. And so could we find a loophole in this? Well, just be careful that a loophole doesn't become a noose, which becomes a stumbling block to someone else. That's the point of any of these issues. And hey, there's a, there's a balance between being cautious and um, being so fearful you're afraid to go out of your house, okay? Listen, if you enjoy going, for instance, there's, here's a great illustration I'll close with. Someone years ago came to me and said, Pastor, and this really isn't even the same application as what we're talking about with causing a brother to offend, but someone came to me in our church and said, Pastor, I have an issue with you going to the brick deli to eat lunch during the week. I was kind of caught, caught off guard by that. I'm like, really? What's wrong with the brick deli? I didn't know at that time that the Brick Deli turned into like a karaoke bar on Friday night and Saturday. How many of you knew this? You knew that the Brick turned into this? I did not. I just thought they had a great turkey and bacon sandwich. 
And so myself and another unnamed person uh, would go there at least once a month and have a great lunch. But this person was really bothered by me, and I'd made the mistake of making a post on Facebook. Enjoying lunch today with so-and-so at the Brick Deli. And for them, that just, they were concerned about their pastor doing it. And so there were several months where I didn't go, but as I got to studying this, I'm like, okay, well, this person isn't tempted to go to the Brick Deli on Friday night or Saturday night because they've been rescued out of alcoholism and they aren't going to go. And because very clearly in my photos, I, was, uh, I had a photo of the Smoky Joe. I wasn't drinking, clearly. And so, um, and so, you know, they aren't in danger. So this isn't the same situation. But I'm going to tell you this. To this day, I will never post that I've gone to the Brick Deli on social media. Why? Because I don't want to, and again, the word offend for us is different, I don't want to hurt that person and make them think that I'm not trying to defer to them. But at the same time, if they don't know about it, it's a completely different issue. So with all these issues, we just need to have caution. We need to have discernment and wisdom. And so I hope that these questions help you. I hope that you as parents can take these 11 questions and work them through the grid of any issue on this list. Work them through and say, okay. Is this something that we can participate in? Where does it fall in the major four areas? Certainty, absolute, conviction, preference, and then live. I think ultimately, you know what Jesus wants us doing? He doesn't want us so caught up in all this that we're not seeing the people around us. And so there's a balance here even in this. You know, we can walk around saying all the time, okay, okay, I gotta, I gotta work. The, the point is, is these things can help us, but we don't want them to hamper us and being able to reach people with the gospel. So these things that we're talking about, they're important for us as Christians and as believers because we need to have this grid. But at the same time, we don't need to wake up tomorrow morning and put this list in front of us and say, all right, all right, I got to make sure. No, no, this is just here for us to keep working through and to see how God's word applies in all these areas. So I hope this has been helpful. And with that, let's have a word of prayer and we'll be dismissed, all right?